How do you reach unbelievers with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, what are some creative ways that modern evangelists uh, seek to uh, bring the Christian faith to those who do not believe? That's what we're going to be talking about today on Theology On Air. Well, thank you guys. It's Thursday at 5 o'clock. Thank you guys for joining us either on Facebook Live or KPFT. We are Theology on Air. I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm the pastor over at First Lutheran. And today we want to take a look at uh, evangelism. And we especially do want to hear from unbelievers. So if you're out there and you're an unbeliever and you've been maybe um, targeted by an evangelist mm-hmm. and you don't like the way that that feels or you've not met very nice evangelists, we don't even know what the word evangelism means. Give us a call. The number here is 713-526-8737. 713-526-8737. I do want to remind you that KPFT is listener-supported community radio. That means we talk about things that no other radio station is going to talk about. We do it without commercials because we are listener-supported. We rely on you to uh, support KPFT as your local uh, radio community radio, right? So... Um, do go to kpft.org, learn that, uh, ways that you can give. We can't be here without you. And this is, a, I think we are described today as the religious show. Uh, so <laughs> I think this is the, we the, the, the show at KPFT where we, uh, you know, where we talk about uh, faith. Uh, we're, we're happy to engage with unbelievers as well as believers, differences between them, differences between believers. Uh, but uh, we want to we talk about issues that really matter. I think sometimes we can get lost in politics and who's getting impeached and who's not getting impeached and such. <laughs> Um, you know, sometimes we need to take a step back and go, what are the really, really, really important issues? Because actually, I think those are the things that end up driving politics and economics and everything else, too. So all of that said, I'm very glad to be joined uh, by a fellow theology on tappers, uh, Sarah Stone and Dan Akins. Well, I guess Dan is now getting roped into theology on tap. That's right. So, oh, I am. Um, so thank you guys both for being here. Sarah, uh, theology on air listeners should already know as the uh, the great host of uh, theology on tap most weeks. But she's also the director of uh, singles and young adults at MDPC, also known as Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church. It's close so, enough. Yeah. All right. OK. Has your title changed? Oh, I'm the director of outreach. So this oh, is okay. my jam. Oh, okay. This is what you do. Yeah. All right, cool. And uh, and Dan is Alpha Church. Well, I, now I don't know if this is accurate, but from your <laughs> website, uh, Alpha Church uh, Hub Director. Yeah, that's right. And I'm one of the pastors at MDPC. Oh, okay. So you're you're an ordained pastor. That's me. Okay, very cool. So um, and so your shirt with the question mark on it. That's an Alpha. Shirt. It is Alpha. Maybe yeah. explain what that is. For yeah, a absolutely. Alpha is a, a way to bring in a variety of people with a variety of backgrounds and a variety of worldviews to have friendly, non-judgmental conversation around faith and life and meaning. And everyone who runs Alpha will tell you it involves three parts, food, a talk from the Christian perspective, and then conversation where people get to share what they want to talk about, what their perspectives are, and even to challenge or to question or doubt the Christian perspective. Yeah. So it's not a lecture series where you stand and tell everyone what to think. If you <laughs> if you do not. that, you're doing it wrong, right? Exactly. Yeah, for okay. sure. Okay. And you get an alpha you get put in alpha prison. Alpha prison. Well, maybe alpha county place. county jail. And if you keep doing it, they put you in the the pen. Okay. That's my problem with alpha. I talk entirely too much. So <laughs> yeah. That would um, be in trouble. Yeah, so, okay, cool. Um, and um, so if you don't know, if you're a KPFT listener, if you don't know what Theology on Tap is, that's kind of the, the birthplace of this show now. Um, but um, Sarah, maybe just say 30 seconds. What is Theology on Tap? Because that, that yeah. ties into what we're trying to talk about here with evangelism. 
Yeah. Uh, Theology on Tap is just a collection of young adults from all over Houston that drink craft beer and talk about interesting, relevant, sometimes controversial issues around life, faith, God, the Bible, religion. I don't love that word, but um, and uh, yeah, we usually have about 150, 200 people come out and we will actually be having one in February on transhumanism, which is kind of black mirror stuff, man and machine and where they intersect and do we have a soul and all that kind of stuff. So be yeah. really good. Yeah, so the goal is always to be talking about what's like right at the tip of interest, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we, we, I don't want to say cutting edge, but you know. I'd like to say mm. cutting edge. Okay, fair <laughs> yeah. enough. Fair enough. Cool. <laughs> okay, so um why don't you guys just talk about some of the things that, you know, y'all do in terms of evangelism? Well, maybe maybe why don't we do this? Why don't we say when people hear the word evangelism, like what comes to mind? What what do people think of? What maybe we should define the word yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. So. Do you want to start or you want me to? I'll go. Um, so, I mean, lots of things come to mind when you hear that word, but I think for me, like televangelists come to mind and yeah. mm-hmm. people with big hair on TV um, yelling at audiences. And um, Not yeah. that we're opposed to big hair in principle, but... No, we live so close to Dallas. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I will say, uh, so the word for me just means um, telling people about or getting people interested enough to engage about Jesus. Who is Jesus? What's yeah. he about? Um, one conversation further about Jesus is kind of the goal. Um, and I actually try not to use the word evangelism. I use a lot of funny words. Like my uh, friends that are non-believers know that I talk about things being team Jesus or not team Jesus. Um, and uh, outreach, I like that word because it just is a little more, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little less dated and yeah. it doesn't have a lot of bad associations with it. Yeah. But yeah. And I mean, just as far as me and what I do with it, and then Dan can tell a little bit what, I, and some of our stuff intersects, but mm-hmm. um, I hang out with atheists and agnostics a lot and I love it. Um, it started, my whole job actually started from um, a singles group that I sort of accidentally started from people that I met in online dating. Fun fact. Oh. Uh, yeah. I met a lot of people that while there was no love connection, there was uh, friendship and that blossomed into this experiment, this kind of social experiment I put together that ended up Sarah's singles and then sort of brought that into the church. And so because of that, we had a lot of people that were not churchy, rubbing elbows with people that were more mm. churchy. So team Jesus and not team Jesus and interesting conversations ensued. And uh, then we find ourselves here. That's the super short version. Yeah. And so uh, one of the many things that I do, which I love and Dan now helps me with, I started a couple of years, uh, something called Conversations, meets in my living room over a fair amount of alcohol and a home cooked meal. <laughs> and we just tackle big questions of life. Did you um, cook the uh, sweet potatoes with the... Uh, the harissa. Uh, yeah, the harissa. The duca. Yes. Yeah. I haven't made that for my fringies yet. Okay. Oh, so I use the word fringies. I doesn't matter where the word originated. It's kind of a silly word, but I use that to mean anyone on the, uh, anyone that's not at all about faith, on the edges of faith, mm-hmm. new to faith, or coming back to the, like dipping their toe in the water of faith stuff again after many years of being maybe disillusioned or whatever. So my fringies that are listening, I love you guys, you know that. Um, so that's a little bit about me. And Dan kind of co-hosts conversations with me and of course Alpha and other stuff. So I do a lot of hanging out with people that yeah. are on the fringe. So yeah, Evan- the evangel. By the way, just it, the that word just means gospel. That just like so, like in the gospels when it says like uh-huh. the the gospel, it, it's the evangel that. It's okay, the... so it doesn't mean Benny Hinn, cool. right? No, it, cool, it, cool, cool. It, I mean, and that's why like Luther. And actually, we we're just talking about this because our our church, First Evangelical Lutheran Church, we just 
sort of dropped evangelical. Yeah. Uh, and we're just first Lutheran because people don't know what evangelical means. Right. But historically, you're in Germany, at the time of the Reformation, you ended up being evangelical, the German mm. word for that, or Catholic. Mm -hmm. uh, so everyone who wasn't Catholic was just evangelical because we rediscovered the gospel. Yeah. So. But now it means like Westboro Baptists and Trump supporters. Exactly. Exactly. So, so. Anyway. But Dan, but yeah. tell a little bit about what you do and your background with evangelism. Yeah. And I'll add to the evangel piece, too. When it comes to that word evangelism, it is weird because most people, first of all, don't know what it means. But like Evan said, evangel, gospel, another way to put that is good news. Mm -hmm. And so if we're sharing the good news, which is what evangelism is, it ought to feel good to the person receiving it, too. <laughs> ah. And uh, that's one of the places where evangelism has historically, or maybe not historically, but has in recent time, in recent memory, um, gone awry. And people have been really put off by, quote unquote, evangelism, which is really attacking with the Bible or yeah. attacking with our worldview. That yeah, kind but of they're thing. trying to they're trying to save them from hell if they die in a car crash. That oh, night. we're gonna get to that. <laughs> we're okay. gonna talk about hell. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but right, but I mean, but that's what people think of as evangelism, and like in the oftentimes popular yeah. experience, it's, absolutely, it's the only thing you care about is me not going to hell, which is important. But anyway, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll talk right. about that. Okay. And so for me, you know, I was trained as a middle schooler in Evangelism Explosion, which is mm -hmm. a 90s program of evangelism where you memorize a script and then you go and knock unannounced on <laughs> someone's door who dropped a like a visitor card in the offering plate that week. Okay, so you yeah. have it's like a hot uh, or a warm lead in sales. Yeah, it is. Okay, so well, they came to the church. Even know, they... I don't know if it's a warm lead I in the church. I think Evangelism Explosion did cold calls as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, because the visitor didn't necessarily know that they were going to be called upon okay, when okay. they dropped that in there. Okay. And uh, as a insecure middle schooler, that was terrifying, and yeah. I hated that. Yeah. And it put me off to evangelism. It put me off to sharing my faith for a lot of years. And it probably wasn't until like seven or eight years ago, and I'm 32 to put that in perspective, where... I was like, actually, I kind of like sharing my faith. This is actually kind of fun. Yeah. But uh, the way I was taught to do it was so out of step with who I was and out of step with the people I was talking to that I did enjoy it. Did, so they, now, did they want to visit? They did not want to visit. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. They're yeah. like, it's I just, just as unpleasant for them as it was oh, for you. It is. It's one of those yeah. where you basically invite yourself in and they go, sure. And uh, you're just kind of staring awkwardly at each other yeah. for well, half an hour. And there's no there's no warm lead up in no, conversation. No. It's I mean, if I could remember correctly, there are two questions. My parents used to do this. I was going to say, did you do evangelism explosion? No, the but, brand or something like no, that? No, my okay. parents did. And the thing is, they actually had really great success with it because mm -hmm. of that generation and the, the things that they believed, I think is very different from what people now, at least like millennials and Gen Z believe. So one of the questions they would ask very warmly and they cared what they would say something like, gosh, if, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? Mm -hmm. Heaven or hell? Which if you talk to a baby boomer, a lot mm -hmm. of times they'll be like, oh man, I've never thought about it, but yeah. gosh, I should think about that. Mm -hmm. And so there was some success with that. You ask people that now, it's a joke, like heaven or hell. That's crazy yeah. that you even believe that and it's off-putting and it's just it does not work anymore yeah well and so. i think i think going to someone's house now is even yeah. like frowned upon you well know? in texas you might get shot so. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Where? Yeah. castle doctrine yeah uh, yeah but you know now i am a pastor that works with an alpha ministry which is really about sharing faith and inviting mm -hmm. people into a conversation about faith 
in a winsome way, in a way that's not off-putting. It doesn't force anything upon them. They come on their own free will. And that's been way more in line with who I am as a human. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more in line with how people want to talk about faith today. And I want to be clear, too. EE or Evangelism Explosion, I don't have anything against it exactly because it meant a lot to my mom when she was Mm -hmm. uh, maturing in her faith and things like that. But it's not up my alley. And I don't think it works today for the reasons Sarah said. But so now... I work with Alpha, but also as a pastor, I'm trying to help our congregation learn to share faith corporately better. So not, I mean corporately as individuals. So we're going out, we're trying to share our faith, trying to have winsome, friendly conversations with people. But for a church our size and with our history, it's kind of scary. And, but as Christians, I think we probably ought to be sharing the good news that's changed our life. Mm -hmm. So we are working on that as a yeah. congregation. So what do you what do you mean? Do you mean a church your size with your history? Do you mean that you're an established congregation and you know you've never oh, really yeah, like absolutely. had to do evangelism, so to speak? Well or... no, I think we've done evangelism well in our history. Yeah. But as our neighborhood changed and as the culture changed, we didn't change how we went and okay. had conversations about faith. Yeah. And this is an overgeneralization. It's not universally true at MDPC. But now we're just trying to figure out how is it that People who are not going to come to our church on their own accord, yeah. how do we have conversations right. with them about Jesus? Because we feel like this is important stuff to talk about. Yeah. Well, so what are some of the obstacles or difficulties of doing evangelism? I mean, you, you've mentioned a few, like the, mm-hmm. the, the concept, I mean, the, the classic concept of your eternal life is at stake, Jesus is the only way, which I thoroughly believe. But if that is utter foolishness to people, where, where do you even kind of begin? Well, those are two different questions, obstacles and where do you begin? Um, Obstacles, I have a lot of thoughts about this, so I'll just share a few and then toss it over to Dan. But um, I think you have some just kind of conceptual obstacles that are in the way. People's life experience says otherwise, other things than there is a God and he's loving and he's um, all-powerful. So things like experiences of real suffering um, is a problem. Uh, Scientism, kind of the worship of science that, you know, it— will sort of solve all our needs and tell us everything we need to know about truth and what's true. I think that gets in the way. And I'm pro science, love Mm -hmm. science. I think science actually, if you listen to last week's podcast, it points, I think, to a designer. But so those are some of the kind of conceptual things. But I think there are some bigger hurdles in the way, like um, in we talk about this being a post-Christian culture. And in that culture, there are a few um, ideas that have gotten in the way. One of them is this idea of relativism. You can have your truth and I'll have my truth and you can't step on my truth and you can't own truth. You can't point to any kind of standard, um, which gets really tricky because then if you say anything that sounds like you're saying there could be this transcendent, objective, true thing, it's offensive. So you have to think about how to say it in a kind way, things like that. But then I also think um, we have a a mutual friend, John Hopper, uh, who does ministry in this way in Houston, great guy. And he talks about the concept of, um, if you imagine a bunch of kids getting together and talking and, uh, several of the kids have had an experience with dogs in the neighborhood that were really scary. Maybe one of them got bit by a dog when they were little, somebody else, like a dog scared them, growled in a scary way. And kids hear those stories. They will be scared of dogs, even if they've never had a bad experience with a dog. And the same thing is true of the church. I think there are enough people that have had at least a perceived bad experience and oftentimes an actual hurtful experience in the church. The church didn't come alongside them in the way they wanted them to. 
whatever. Um, the church was legalistic and so rulesy that they felt like they could never be themselves. Whatever the thing is, bad experience with the church. They've shared those stories so much that with millennials and Gen Z, I think there are so many people that are scared of the church and they've never mm. been stepped foot in a church. Mm. And so one of our jobs is just to, in John Hopper's terms, I, I hope he made this up, otherwise I'm giving him credit for something else, <laughs> uh, is just to be the friendly dog. Mm. Just to be the Christian that's normal-ish, mm -hmm. nice, cool, enjoys mm -hmm. the same things that you enjoy, so that then they can think, oh, well, maybe Christians aren't the weird psychos I thought they mm -hmm. were. Maybe I could go to dinner with one. Maybe I could go to lunch, whatever. And then slowly step through things like coming to something like Alpha or having conversations mm -hmm. about bigger things and maybe even one day checking out church, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So that's, I mean, some of the obstacles are, they're not even real obstacles. They're just perceived because of talk amongst non-believers. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you want to weigh in on some? Yeah. I mean, I think, obviously, we're talking generalities a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because everyone who is not a Christian has a different reason for not being a Christian. Exactly. And Sarah knows that. We all know that. It's common sense. But um, putting them in categories sometimes helps us as Christians understand, okay, someone reacting this way to me sharing the faith, um, maybe it's because I'm off-putting, or maybe it's because there's something in their history mm -hmm. that I ought to listen to. Mm -hmm. And so I think listening is actually that first step in sharing faith absolutely and getting to know someone building a friendship and a friendship that's not just for the sake of sharing faith not mm. the project friendship. yeah but yeah. you actually want to get to know someone because you value them as a fellow human being and that's really important and i don't think it can be overstated mm -hmm. this yeah. hour yeah so, i've heard of um you know some psychiatrist uh you know, speak of like an epidemic of loneliness, mm -hmm. for example, that, uh, that, you know, it's a trope now, but you know, oh, we're all connected on Facebook, but none of us have any friends anymore. Yep. Or, you know, we substitute that community for real community, mm -hmm. you know, intimate, personal, in-person kind of stuff. I, 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 anecdotally, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, for sure. So, and, and I, and I think too, like, um, we, we kind of joke about Fred Phelps, but the reality is that, um, you know, if it bleeds, it leads and the media, the, the media and, you know, the Hollywood projection of Christianity is, 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 is one percent of Christianity. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's always going to be the, the aberrant, the extreme. Um, so I don't know what, what, what Fred Phelps, uh, he's dead now, but you know, Westboro Baptist is what, maybe a hundred people. It's basically a cult, but you know, they go to the Supreme court, so they get the attention and, yeah. and they, they make the displays. And so there are a lot of people. I mean, that is the scary dog. You know, those mm -hmm. people, yeah. they're the scary dog. So if we can just come alongside and, you know, I, on the one hand, I don't want to present us as too sort of reasonable as, as like we don't have fangs, you know, uh, we don't have real truth to present. But right. um, but maybe we'll, we'll come back to that. Well, um, I want to say one more thing yeah. that I thought of, um, and this is something that I've run into a lot. I think Dan has too. I think there's a fair amount of kind of deprogramming that needs to happen with anybody that's, uh, I mean, a, a different religion, obviously, maybe, but um, with non-believers, something that I have found is that while they'll, they'll say they're not religious, they have a religion of their own that they've kind of made up in their mind that our culture loves, and it goes something like this. Um, whether or not there's a God and whether or not all that frou-frou magic crazy stuff is real or not, really what matters at the end of the day is to just be a good person. Mm -hmm. That good person thing, which is awesome, and we should all try to be better people. So I'm not anti-good people, right? I try to surround myself with good people. But 
I think it really gets in the way of the Christian message because the Christian message says, and it sounds bad at first, but it basically says, good luck with that. Like, Mm -hmm. we're all going to fail being at least perfect. Um, And what is good? And how are you defining good? All that kind of stuff. And so it's not like you can start from a blank canvas and say, Mm -hmm. let's talk about Christianity. What are its claims? Do you believe they're true? You're starting behind you're starting backwards 10 mm-hmm. steps because they're thinking and I, we have somebody that comes to our conversations group i won't name him just in case i don't think he would mind but who would say things like um well i don't know if heaven and hell is real it's probably not but if it is it's fine because i'm living a good life and being a good mm-hmm. person and he generally speaking is a really awesome guy mm-hmm. but that's not actually the message of jesus the message of jesus is jesus was good and you uh, are not doing so hot it's really i mean not to go in a whole different direction, this does not need to become a rabbit trail, but that's really kind of Muslim ideology mm-hmm. or Mormon or a million yeah. other things like be yeah. good enough. Fingers crossed. You'll get into whatever the good place is, the garden or the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do well, ugh. and that's partly why I want to tell people this good news, because I want to say, hey, all that anxiety you're feeling that maybe you're not going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Let that go because you're not. You've already failed. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're all equally failures. But good news. There's a rescue and you don't have to have done anything. You can mm-hmm. just latch on to somebody else's goodness, which is Jesus. Mm-hmm. So not to get preachy, but that's another obstacle I think we find. Yeah. One one of the things about the word gospel. Um, so one of the things I've so I came out of a liberal tradition. My, my denomination growing up was ended up being very liberal. So the gospel ended up being just the good news. And so, like, the only thing we ever talked about was the good news. Yeah, not the bad and, news. Okay, and so, and that's yeah. where I'm going. So you just kind of talked about, well, there's a pretext to the good news, which used to be assumed, which is that, yes, you know, oh, I actually need grace. And and so the problem with, I think, most, and this is true of most liberal mainline Protestant denominations, is that, you know, the gospel only became, you know, everything is always good. Everything is, everything is always sort of okay, and I'm okay, you're okay, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> And so, yeah, I mean, we do have, I've never heard the phrase deprogramming except in a, a cult that's, context. That's mine. I'll take <laughs> that. No, but, but like uh, in cult you know, theory and stuff, deprogramming is what has to take place. Rick Ross was like really into that when cults were like a big fear. And it's, it's actually all very interesting. Um, but yeah, I think there's a general, uh, Christian Smith called it, uh, what, what's it called? Um, therapeutic. Uh, moral deism. deism. Yeah, moral therapeutic deism. Or deistic yeah. morality or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, and so and that and that is the kind of that's and exactly that's actually the religion about. among Christians, much less the secular world. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you, so when you meet people, um, Dan, that that have been thoroughly indoctrinated, because we're all indoctrinated, like it's inescapable, uh, with the the culture's message of, you know, be a good person and that's good enough. I don't need a God to tell me that. How do you maybe approach a conversation like that? Do you break the bad news right away or <laughs> break yeah, the bad news? No, I don't. I think you know, like I said, listening for sure, but hearing their story and once you get to know someone and hear someone's story long enough, you start to hear hear cracks in their worldview mm-hmm. when it is just built upon being a really good person. Mm-hmm. Because being a good person doesn't solve our greatest heartaches. Mm-hmm. It doesn't solve um, the greatest tragedies around us. So being a good person doesn't bring a loved one back to life. Yeah. Being a good person doesn't solve or the ill of uh, child sex slavery. It doesn't solve those things. So uh, being a good person might be a nice idea, but in the end, it doesn't resolve any of the things that we care most deeply about that mm-hmm. are hurting us mm-hmm. and wounding us. And so 
having a conversation where you can get to that point. And, you know, I don't think that's a, it might be a conversation that happens in one coffee or one lunch, but often it's a series of conversations that uh, you can gently start asking questions that reveal uh, discontinuities in their own story, in their own um, thinking about that. And especially if they're coming from any sort of Christendom worldview, which is it has some sense of Christianity built around it. Um, You can even talk to them about how, well, the way that you are talking and sharing about Jesus is not the Jesus that I know Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. I read about in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so that is one way for someone who's in a Christendom um, worldview to start Mm -hmm. having that conversation. But it's going to be different for each person. Well, and you've you've touched on something that I think matters in sharing our faith in this age and culture, which is that people care a lot less about the afterlife and they care a lot more about things like meaning, purpose. People have anxiety. There's so much anxiety. Mm -hmm. I feel like you can't talk to somebody that hasn't experienced stress and anxiety. And when you start drilling down into that, you get into the big stuff. You don't need to scare them with hell. I believe in things like heaven and hell, but we don't have to start there. We can start with right now. Things aren't working, Mm-mm. you know, mm-hmm. and there could be something like hope or joy or peace for your soul right now. Mm-hmm. 713-526-8737. That is the number to call. We are talking about evangelism today, but if you're an unbeliever, that's OK. You, we, 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 if you can't already tell, we will be very nice to you. <laughs> We're trying to be the friendly dog. Uh, if you don't know what that means, go back 10 minutes. But uh, yeah, 713-526-8737. Uh, we're interested in hearing about maybe some awesome or some terrible conversations mm-hmm. or experiences you've had with evangelism. Uh, we want to, uh, I think, I think part of what we want to do is, ha- you know, be open but demonstrate to the world that uh, because we uh, love Jesus also means we love other people too, uh, even though we might have disagreements. So feel free to call in seven one three five two six eight seven three seven to learn how you can support uh, community radio, where you never know what we might talk about week to week. <laughs> Go to kpft.org and see uh, see how you can donate. We'd appreciate that. I'm Evan McClanahan, the pastor at First Lutheran. I've got Sarah Stone and Dan Akins. They're both over at Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church. So go to mdpc.org. That's, yeah. right. That's it. All right. Nailed it. All right. Um, so <laughs> you can learn more about what they do uh, over there for sure. Um, so what about, let's try to, you know, you guys have a lot of experience with unbelievers. Um, we kind of have conceptions about what they're like. Yeah. What are they actually like? Ha. Ooh, I'm, I love this question. Um. Yeah, I think a lot of people in the church think that atheists are, and not everybody, but um, that they are, they haven't really thought it through. Because if they did, obviously they would be Christians. Mm -hmm. That's one. And I'm here to tell you, I know a lot of thoughtful atheists. You've Mm -hmm. had some on the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brian Woods was on the show a couple weeks Mm -hmm. ago. Super thoughtful. Mm -hmm. He has put, he's poured his heart and mind into that decision. I hope it changes. If you're listening, Brian, we're coming (laughs) at you. But uh, he knows that already. Um, But so one is that they're not thoughtful, and I think many of them are. Not all, but many. I think another one is that somehow if you aren't on Team Jesus, you're anti-God. You don't don't like God. And certainly there are some people out there. I've noticed a pattern that I think is similar to when people say yes to Jesus. The same thing happens when people say yes to atheism, which is that there's a short period of time where you're so on fire and excited about your new beliefs, you can be a little militant about it. But that does die away. And most of the atheists, agnostics, skeptics that I know 
uh, they're not anti-God. In fact, I'm thinking of at least a couple that I know, including people in my own family, that would say, sometimes through tears in their eyes, I want there to be a mm. God. Desperately want there to be one. And they're actually searching and they're actually thinking about this kind of stuff. So those would just be two things that I think mm-hmm. about atheists that are kind of bad raps. What about I you? Would, I would add, though, that there are atheists or non-Christians of yeah. any sort who don't feel a sense of spiritual longing. Yes. So that is, we can't simply assume that, oh, wow, they don't know Jesus, so they must have this hole in their heart that they know can only be filled with the truth of faith in Jesus, and they're just waiting for someone to come along and tell them. Yeah. We can't assume that, because oftentimes, like Sarah was saying, they've thought it through, and they have a pretty well-formed worldview that doesn't need Jesus. Yeah. So part of our job is coming alongside and, and having those long conversations and friendships. I think another misconception about atheists or someone who doesn't believe in Jesus is that they must just be miserable. Yeah. They must feel so bad. They must be lonely and lost and confused and depressed without Jesus because surely if you don't have Jesus, you must feel miserable. And that's not true either. You know that from common sense, from <laughs> yeah. the, the people that you know in your workplace or your neighborhoods, that there are awfully happy people who don't mm-hmm. know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and some miserable people who do. Yeah, oh, that's snap. absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We, we're supposed to be people of joy, in case you forgot. Uh, I tell myself that every day when I'm grumpy doing laundry or something. <laughs> it's always supposed laundry. to be joyful about all this stuff, you know. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's you You said something earlier, Dan. Um, it, it, it's important, I think, in like everything in life, you, you kind of have to assess things as they are. Uh, so there, it's hard to be general about anything. And it's yep. impossible to be about general about any one person because we're also utterly unique. Right. Yep. So, you know, there's the there's the hostile atheist, mm-hmm. you know, the the militant um, God doesn't exist and I hate him, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, mm, there's a problem in the logic there. Continue. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I'm, I'm quoting, that's a, that's a Douglas Wilsonism that I stole. Uh, but there's the sincere seeker, right? So yeah. they're, they're, they, they both might be in the same, like, you know, swimming pool, you know, theoretically speaking, right? Like they're both unbelievers categorically, but, um, you know, and that's what I try to assess, you know, mm-hmm. if I if I uh, so like I'll do some college outreach and stuff. And so I you meet all kinds. You meet you meet people of different faiths who very much believe their faiths that you meet people who are hostile to Christianity and, and God. Um, and they're offended that you're even trying to tell them about Jesus. Yep. And then there are people who just who want to believe but have intellectual uh, obstacles and such. So or emotional obstacles or emotional mm-hmm. obstacles yeah. for sure. Um, and so maybe, maybe I get a little uncomfortable if, if, if people will talk about evangelism, like there is only one way to do it. It's like, well, oh, that, for oh, yeah. Sure. yeah, because there's more than one kind of person and there's more than <laughs> one people. What are some examples of, um, cause this is something I think the church is in general, um, either naive about or in denial about or ignorant about, um, but what are some examples of some things that people have said the kinds of pain or baggage they bring from previous church experience, mm, yeah. right? And so that you kind of have to maybe try to help them, I'll say get over because that's patronizing, but mm-hmm. work through or... What, so your what question kind, is about what, what, are, what, what kind baggage of baggage do people bring? Yeah. 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 Well, I think one of the big ones that I run into with people who have a 
background in the like a Christian church or Christian community is the over moralizing we just talked about of faith where I don't it's almost like their community was saying I don't really care if you passionately hold to this stuff so long as you behave mm-hmm. like you do mm-hmm. and trying to force someone into a behavior box when it comes to faith in Jesus before they care anything about Jesus is just simply not going to work and so a lot of it is saying, okay, you're behaving a certain way. I'm not going to care about that. You don't say that you believe in Jesus, so I'm not going to try to hold you to my standard of morality. Yeah. And let's just start a conversation from there. And often it will turn to realizing <clears throat> the basics of what I understand of Christian faith, that Jesus died for us because we're broken people who need a Savior, that he rose again from the dead and sent his Spirit so that we have power Uh, from God to live according to how he'd like us to live, but also according to his mission of like restoring the world and putting the world back the way it always was meant to be. There's none of that in their, their Christian background. It's all about being decent people. And don't drink, don't have sex. So it makes pretty good sense that they're Mm -hmm. like, I can be a decent person without any of this shame. Yeah, I'm out. So I'm going right. to do that. Yeah, yeah. right. Absolutely. Right. right. I think on the other, on the flip side is um, people that have been brushed off when they had really good questions and the church either wasn't prepared to answer them or th- got scared because that question uh-huh. meant that maybe they were going to walk away from faith. And so they end up pushing them away from faith. Uh, in fact, you had on your show recently, Taylor Neal, mm-hmm. that pushed him from away from faith for years because he asked questions like, what's up with the dinosaurs and mm-hmm. various other things. And he got either terrible answers or no answers. And I've talked to so many people where that's the case. And so I think one of the things that we can do as believers is just to have some bare bones. And I'm talking simple answers to the big questions that you know you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to get questions about uh morality or or evolution the scary mm-hmm. word you know um you can have some answers and even the best thing that you can do if you don't have the answer and we all know this in the room is say i don't know mm-hmm. but i will find out or i yep. will t- talk to my friend dan he knows a lot more about this than i do but to shut people up is t- you might as well just tell them leave the church and don't come back that's right i mean yeah. even before you learn any of those basic bare bone things you can learn this that there is an answer to that's the right. question that's right that People have thought through all of these questions Mm -hmm. that you're going to be asked or that someone will raise that's been asked before. And so people who have been Christians for a while have often thought through those. Or people throughout the last 2,000 years of history have had to deal with these answers. So it's good confidence to know that it's been thought through. Mm -hmm. You're not the first person to ask the question. What, What can be tricky on the other side of that is then you find out, like if you listen to the, say, as an example, unbelievable podcast or any of the scores of debates on YouTube is that, oh, crap. Well, I had the question. People have been talking about it, but there's not <laughs> one answer, you know. Oh, yeah. So then you have yeah. to deal with that. But That's true. I mean, but for the intellectually curious person, OK, at least you at least we can say we've gone to the text or we've gone to the natural sciences or whatever. We've gone to these things in good faith. And this is the best answer we've got. And, you know. And then you, you know, I mean, I find that difficult. Personally. Well, mm-hmm. I think what you're talking about can actually be a comfort to some people. Mm-hmm. So if I'm wrestling with something like, say, the whole evolution creation thing, and I find out there are a lot of Christians really wrestling with that. And that within the church, within people that say, yes, I'm on Team Jesus, there are people that fall into different camps. Then I can be like, oh, so my question made a lot of sense. Huh. You know, I think it's emboldening. It's it 
it builds confidence to say, that question you're asking is actually a really good question, and it's being debated right now. Yeah. And you can decide where you fall on it, but here's the really good news um, within the good news. You don't have to have a great answer to that question <laughs> because you're not going to get to see Jesus one day and be like, where did you fall on baptism? You know what I mean? We will all, mm -hmm. I think, have a good laugh about some of these things that we have you know, gone back and forth about. Um, so just yeah. putting that yeah, idea. Yeah. I had a professor in college who learned this from a college professor that uh, he takes comfort in knowing that he knows he believes in Jesus and he knows that he's a Christian, but he also knows that probably 30% yeah. of what he holds on to is not true. And so that allows him to have conversations with people from across the aisle, so to speak, yeah. in different perspectives and learn from them, but also hold fast to that core of what yeah. who Jesus is and what he's done and why we ought to trust him and love well, him. Well, it's humility. And I think the watching world really wants to see that and not hypocrisy mm -hmm. and not us just being jerks, but but admitting the stuff that we don't know. So Yeah. yeah. Um, d side point. Do you all say the creeds? Apostles We're Creed. actually doing a sermon Night. series on the creeds right oh, now. Oh, okay, okay. I asked that because, you know, the creeds historically were, were kind of the boundary of faith. You know, this mm -hmm. was kind of the yeah. minimal, mm -hmm. kind of minimal facts, if you will, um, of what you need to be a Christian. Yes. And so one of the things, like, that I find comfort in is, you know, like on evolution or what have you, it's like, well, what what does the creed say about it? Well, you know, I believe in God, the Father, creator of the heavens and earth. It actually Bam. doesn't answer the question. That's right. And 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 I suspect that even in the early church, those may have you know I I I don't know that old Earth is that new. I think people suspected even early on that it's not just six thousand years old. Yeah. Because even back then there would have been other religious views, you know, yeah. that mm -hmm. other than the biblical account. Uh, so you know, you know, you had you know, it's like, did the Greek uh, you know, pantheon of gods, you know. They didn't have the same genealogy that we have in the Bible, so there's no reason to date the earth 6,000 years old sure. then. Sure, sure, Anyway, so, but the creed kind of, it leaves some ambiguity about some things because right. that's not the, you know, you need to you need to have God as a creator, but you don't, he doesn't have to have done it in six days per se. But anyway, just as an example. <laughs> well, um, you've raised, I mean, by saying that, it just makes me think of something else that I had wanted to say, which is that there are some truths Outside of what we think of as religion or faith, I mean, we believe that all truth belongs to God, right? So anything that's true comes from him. But there are some things, some ideas that the world already believes that we can use to our benefit when we have these conversations because we can find common ground. One of those, I just went to a conference recently talking about how the Big Bang Theory is your friend, meaning most people but this is the reigning theory of how things mm. started up, right? The Big Bang Theory. And you don't have to know all the ins and outs of the science around it, but um, most people believe that. And so as Christians, we can say, okay, awesome. Let's talk about that. Gosh, what does the Big Bang Theory mean? It means that in this one moment, time and space and matter came into being. <laughs> seems like, and I'm just wondering out loud here, seems like you would need something outside of those three to kickstart it. I mean, mm -hmm. talk with me about that. Would you need something that's immaterial? Would you need something that's outside of time that transcends space that could create such a thing? And then, and the, bam, personal. you're into a conversation mm -hmm. where you have common ground. You both say yes to the Big Bang Theory. Now, they might not be like, okay, I want to be on Team Jesus now. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, but it doesn't get you all the way. It's an entryway. And, I mean, that's just it's kind of the common reigning theory that we're using mm -hmm. as a mm -hmm. talking point. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... Thinking specifically about younger people, 
Gen Z, millennials, whatever we call them these days. That's I was born in November of 79. <laughs> November. If you say the month, you're old. <laughs> no, but but <laughs> I'm, my point is that I wasn't born in the 80s. So yeah. I think I'm still Gen X. So but so I, I can't you, relate. No, to... you're an you're an Xennial. Oh, Xennial. Okay. Welcome. I'm I'm you're an I'm, elder millennial. I'm get off my lawn guy. I'm I'm way older. <laughs> okay, than... your crankiness pushes you into Gen exactly, X. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> Um, we're like, we, we listened to Nirvana when they still played musical instruments, okay? Um, anyway. <laughs> I okay. apologize for him, friends. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, but how do you speak to them? Like, yeah. how do you, because they really, I mean, they really are different, I think it's safe to say. Uh, they. They. they those different. people. No, I don't mean that, no, I, I mean, I, I, I don't mean that in a bad way, I really don't. But yeah. just, how do you kind of talk to folks who, who are younger than me? Or less cranky. Yeah. Or less cranky. Maybe they're maybe they're too open minded, right? Or maybe I don't, I don't know. think that's what are such the, what a are... thing as being too open minded. Yeah. And maybe you say things like that. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I am a millennial, but I am the least cool millennial there is. And <laughs> uh, you know, I did youth ministry for a long time with Gen Zs, and the thing that allows you to have a conversation with them is to demonstrate in some way that you actually care about them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that goes with any human. <laughs> it doesn't matter how old they are. If you demonstrate to someone that you care about them, that you actually truly want what's best for them, that you uh, are interested in what they care about, then they'll have a conversation with you. That's right. It may not immediately be about mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. but it will be a friendly conversation. And that's a pretty good starting spot. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, when you think about the things, the philosophical concepts that define a postmodern age, there are things like we talked about earlier, like relativism, Mm -hmm. tolerance, things like that. So I say you just dive right in. Like, I'm not afraid to talk to someone that thinks relativistically um, that we can both still be searching for truth. um, But there are some ways that you can uh, uh, question asking is one Mm -hmm. of the big things, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone says something to me like, well, I think the Bible is just a bunch of nonsense passed down through the telephone game, instead of being like, well, you know, there's actually good evidence. I can mm-hmm. say, that's really interesting. How did you come to that conclusion? Like, what makes you think that? Um, which is low key, mm-hmm. actually putting the burden of proof back on them, not in any kind of mean way, like make your argument, you know, mm-hmm. but it is, it's asking for more. I want to hear more about them. I'm listening. I'm open minded. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also really wanting to hear the arguments or the the reasons that went into what their problem is. And the truth of what I found, at least, is that some large percent, let's say 80, 85% of the time, when we really drill down into those things, mm-hmm. it really doesn't have anything to do with the Bible mm-hmm. or anything to do with evidence. It has a lot to do with an experience mm-hmm. that drove them away from or they never wanted to come to mm-hmm. a conversation about spiritual things because something bad happened or they cried out to the sort of, if you're out there, God, in a moment of panic or anxiety and nothing happened Mm -hmm. and so like well screw this you know Mm -hmm. and that is a whole different kind of conversation and you know when we're talking with young people who are either they come off as relativists or maybe hyper individualists or something like that oftentimes their worldview because they don't have something to look to and kind of help shape that it is um kind of cherry picked from mm-hmm. here to there they hear a sound bite that sounds yeah. good and they latch onto it because they're trying to sort out how to understand the world mm-hmm. but they don't have any solid frame of reference for it and so a lot of the time having a conversation with them it might feel really scary at first because they're throwing things at you that sound 
kind of smart or they or they sometimes are smart <laughs> or they um, just seem so foreign to how you believe as a Christian. But if you start asking them questions, like Sarah said, oftentimes <coughs> they haven't thought through it as well as it comes off at first. Yeah. And that's not universally true. Again, there mm -hmm. are plenty of people who have thought through it really well. But helping young people make a coherent worldview is mm -hmm. a good way to have a conversation. And um, for us as Christians, it's going to lead to Jesus, too. Mm -hmm. I think also not being afraid of the long game. And when I say long game, it's not like it's a con. I'm trying to con my friends into Jesus, and I'm not. If my friends that don't love Jesus never love Jesus, I'll still be their friend because right. I love them. Mm -hmm. I desperately want them mm -hmm. to love Jesus because and I they want... know that about you. They do. Right. It's unequivocal. Right. I mean, I don't lead with it at the first coffee, but it's hard to contain. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, sometimes hugs um, come out of the first front. Yeah. First coffee that are a little scary. So. Yes, yeah. I yes. We have one friend that didn't come back to conversations a couple times because I hugged her at the beginning, and she was not. She's a personal space kind of person. We've, uh. We've learned a lot about each other since, okay. and, and we're good. But okay. uh, so, but knowing that it's a long, long conversation, a long friendship, and that, I mean, it may be years before we scratch the surface of some of the stuff that applies, and, and I'm, I'm okay with that. It may have because... taken them 15 years to become an unbeliever, you know, in, <laughs> that's I mean, true. in a certain really, just, manner of speaking, yeah, that's true. you know, through the, in, you know, indoctrination and stuff. Let me just... Um, oh, I forgot my... I, I forgot. I, we had a question come in on Facebook oh, yeah. Live. What's that? Um, from our friend Daniel Strain. Yay, Daniel Strange. He's going to be on the podcast soon. Yes. Let me let me read what he said. Um, uh, and maybe it's not a question, it's a statement. But he says, some atheists believe ethics are objective, not subjective. Mm -hmm. So, like Harris's moral landscape, atheists, Stoics, and myself. But the origins and basis of them is different than in Christianity, of course. So, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that, yeah, when he comes on. Because I, I don't... Actually, and we talked about this a little bit with Brian and... Um, and Taylor, yeah, you know whether sort of um, objectivity is really possible mm -hmm. in an atheist worldview. I, I don't think it is, but that's my own bias. But well, I, yeah, I've got a couple of atheist friends that would actually say um, somebody in my family would say um, that he believes in objective morality, mm -hmm. but not in God. So of course, there's there are more questions yeah. to follow there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we can pigeonhole all atheists into saying that they all believe in subjective morality yeah. or subjective truth. Or ethics is the word he used. So, yeah. yeah. So what are some maybe success stories of conversations mm -hmm. you've had with people uh, and then maybe some times that didn't go according to plan? <laughs> it always works. For oh, me. it always yeah. works for Yeah, Sarah, people for say sure. yes to Jesus yeah. at the first yeah. coffee. Yeah. No. No. I, I, I hear mean, coffee as a strategy. You hadn't said I actually hate <laughs> coffee. Fun fact about me. Oh, but yeah, okay. continue. Beer. Beer uh, and wine okay. and vino veritas. Okay. Man, I have a lot of those fail conversations. That's for sure. I mean... <laughs> You know, one right when I started helping with Alpha, one of the first conversations I had with one of the guests who wanted to have more conversation was over coffee. And she was asking, like, if Jesus came and if he died and rose again, then why is the world already not perfect? Why yeah. is it not the way he want, it ought to be? And I, in that moment, had <laughs> been reading a lot about that question, and I launched into <laughs> probably a 20-minute explanation of what mm. I thought. And, you know, it started with the meta narrative of Scripture and <laughs> all of this, and just bleary-eyed. And I was completely unaware mm. of her un disinterest <laughs> in that conversation. And um, ask me if I've seen her again. 
Oh, yeah. no. have you seen her? No, no I have not. <laughs> so, apologies so to you if you're listening. Mm. Yeah, no, if you're no. listening, come back. I'll talk to you. Yeah, that's I right. won't no, preach no, it. Sarah, it. I'll do it better. I promise. No, uh, no, because it started with a, basically a lecture, and uh, that doesn't go over well with people. Oh, yeah. No. Thanks be to God that we have somebody interceding on our behalf and fixing right? the stuff. That, that's the Holy Spirit for those of you that's that are right. listening. And her right. story's not over. That's like, right. If, that's right. If that conversation was the conversation that was going to either turn her toward Jesus or away from Jesus, then um, we shouldn't do evangelism. That's right. We have way too much power. We have too much power. <laughs> so thank goodness. Mm. Thank God yes. that he's in control and we're not. Um, I have... It's funny, what I call a success story is not necessarily, I joked about people saying yes to Team Jesus, um, but uh, one of my very dear friends who's a fringy um, is a woman that um, still not a believer, but uh, she's told me recently several times that she feels very loved by me, and that's mm. been a game changer for her, mm. and, the, and the thing is, she is loved. It's not a project. It is very real, very true friendship. And I, I adore her and I do love her, but that she feels that from us, from Dan, from me and some others. Um, that's, a, that's a success story to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that friendly Christian thing mm-hmm. or friendly dog. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would like the dog thing. I'm going to change that a little bit, yeah. but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, I have some fails too. It's usually when the question is so big and so broad that my mind just fires yeah. in so many directions mm-hmm. that I just, bleh. I was on a date once, a first date, first and last <laughs> date, um, where, uh, the topic of suffering came up. I would always, here's the thing. This is maybe why I have first and last dates a lot. <laughs> uh, cause I get right into <laughs> spiritual conversations. They love it. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, he finally, he was not a believer and he said something like, okay, fine. Sell me on Jesus, mm. which you would think would be a dream of a question. Uh, I just wasn't prepared for something so big and I just fumbled. I should have said mm. something like, well, gosh, let's just distill it. I think mm. Jesus is this guy who blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm. But I didn't say that. I said something like, I don't even remember. I've repressed the memory, but it was something like, well, what do you want to know? What does that even mean? What do you want to know? <laughs> and then, I mean, it just went downhill from there and I babbled. I'm not sure what I said, but I definitely did not draw him any closer to the Lord. So, uh, Yeah. I've, and I've had lots of those yeah. moments. Mm. I want to go back to something we to go backwards a little bit, and I'm sorry to do it, but you, we were talking about sometimes uh, unbelievers will have objections, but they've never been asked to verbalize it, like, yeah. or, or mm-hmm. like think it out. Yeah. So it's a good question. Like you said, questions, right? Like, yeah. what what do you mean by that, or how mm-hmm. did you come to that views? Are you all familiar with Greg Kokel? That's no. his tactics. Oh, okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So like in tactics, you know, it's the Colombo approach. Like, what do you mean by that, or whatever? Which, by the way, so. is an outdated reference. So yeah. that's another thing when you're talking to Gen oh, oh, Z right, and right, millennials right, right. saying you use the Columbo approach. Yeah. You're like, what are you talking about? You use the tactic. Actually, I think Columbo is like on Amazon or it's streaming somewhere. And I was like, I was telling my wife, like, maybe maybe we should watch Columbo. And then I'm like, <laughs> I want to watch Columbo. Anyway, but yes, cool I mean, but just just that question, because I do, I do think it's very helpful for them to be pressed enough to sort of get to the end of their um their own kind of knowledge, I mm-hmm. guess, yeah. uh, because that rarely happens, I think. Um, but let me let me ask this. Um, <laughs> so because one of my let, let me tell a story uh, very, very brief. I, I went to an apologetics group a while back and uh, went went a few times and a guy told a story of an atheist friend he had. They had a weekly breakfast or something. 
And the atheist came with all these questions and objections, and this guy met them, like, week mm-hmm. after week after week. You know, evidence for the resurrection, arguments for God's existence, you yeah. know, Big Bang issues, and blah, 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 blah. And they basically got to, like, the end, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so the apologist was like, you know, I've been studying this for years, but I've, I've, we've, I don't have anything left. And so the guy was like, well, let's start over. Hmm. And... In that moment, I my takeaway from that was, and I think I think his point was, he was disappointed, yeah, because you know, it didn't mm-hmm. really go anywhere. And my thought was, there, there are limits, I think, to, um, you know, how do I say this? At some, uh, let me put it bluntly, in the Bible, one of the things you see preached and taught is repent and believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at the there comes a point now. I think the Bible is a condensed version of all the things that were going on, right? Like you know, they didn't. You know, there there are lots of things that went on that aren't recorded. Sure, sure. But at the end of the day, when we do evangelism, you know, the R word is like a very dirty word. I mean, yeah. It's like something we don't want to say, and I understand that. However, I don't think there's any way around it. Ultimately, neither I, do I. Mm-mm. Right. So how does that work? Because for one to come to Christ, it it. And repentance isn't just stop, you know, fornicating or stop, you know, uh, another word you shouldn't use. Uh, No, but stop doing wrong behavior. That's the only thing people ever hear. Actually, repentance about is a change of mind. Yeah. I mean, and and I would say that atheism is a it's a moral problem. I mean, that would be my position. That might be y'all might disagree with me, but. A, a lack of belief in God is a rebellion against God. Well, and there, right so. there, you used a different word, which I think but. is a better word. And I think there are some words that I don't mean better, like the Bible didn't mm-hmm. get it right the first time. Repentance is a perfect word, mm-hmm. but it it does have connotations with non-believers, like oh, repent. You know, before you get to that, I think you can talk about things like we. I mean, there's a Bible Project video that has this like blurred out picture of Adam and Eve giving the middle finger yeah. to God. So sometimes I'll say that like we give the middle finger to God, we rebel against Him. Or I might say something like, I'll speak for myself. I am so selfish. I know when I dig deep and I look inside, I know what a pretty terrible person I can be on my worst day. And I can say something like, um, I look to myself to be my own God. And it doesn't work out very well. And then that's a thing that I think a lot of people do if we try to be so in charge of our own lives and and everything revolves around us that we are now God. And that's not really how the universe works. So if you start saying things like that, but and then you get to the point where you say, well, the Bible's word for this is, I mean, there's a lot of words, idolatry, whatever, but the Bible's word for this is repentance. And it's just a bible word that means turning away from the stuff that will actually make your life worse. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing is appealing to what will make you happy because that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to be happy. Everyone wants to have peace. And there's actually a way to get that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we don't use the word happy as much as joy because, you know, being a Christian doesn't mean you're happy all the time. Mm-hmm. But it does mean your life is better, I believe. Not that bad things don't happen, but that the mm-hmm. way that you take them in is through the lens of faith. But I know you want to say something, so I don't want to take all the space. Yeah. No, I mean, I think this is right on that we can talk about bible concepts and bible words in a way that's super, res- that can be, res- that other people can be receptive to. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Yeah. I would say, remember, I like, so when I think about it, I make distinctions, like say you have sincere seekers and then like hostile atheists, mm-hmm. um, you know, in there, I, I think there are there are times when we, um, you know, 
when when the call to repentance has to go out. Actually, that's that's I mean, so I've had a lot of not a lot. I've had a few people. They'll they'll talk about that, too. Like like the like the woman that you went to coffee with. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. why didn't God just make it perfect Mm -hmm. or whatever? Or like, why do so many bad things happen? And Mm -hmm. I'll I'll try with a smile on my face and a wink of the eye, you know, a little (laughs) flash from my eye. You know, I'll say, well, you repent. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, everyone likes to blame everyone else for all the sins of the world, but they never say, oh, I might be part of the problem, yeah. you know, which I think is the biblical answer. Now, it doesn't account for like natural evils and hurricanes and stuff, but we're almost out of time. Um, and so if you haven't called in, you've missed your chance. Um, <laughs> but did you want to get to this last question or our, our classic question, where, which Dan hasn't answered before? Yeah, I just wanted to say one yeah. more thing really quickly, yeah. which we didn't get to, and then ask Dan the question. Yeah. And that is uh, one of the biggest obstacles that we didn't mention earlier to sharing faith and people coming to Team Jesus is Christians. Mm. Christians can be the worst. And I put myself in that same category um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you can do if you're out there thinking, well, I don't have good ar- evidences or arguments or even good questions to ask, you can just stop saying some things. Mm-hmm. And those things are the pandering stuff that Christians can say when the you-know-what hits the fan, because we're on the radio. Um, you can stop saying things like, well, you know, everything happens for a reason, and and God knows. And um, you can just sit with them in their pain. That's just one of many. If I had more time, I could go into all the stupid phrases that Christians say, but I just wanted to put that out there that Christians get in our own way. It's mm-hmm. so silly. Anyway, but yes, ask Dan the, the classic question. Does he know the question or am yes. I springing this on him? Do I know the question? Yes. Um, so we, anytime we have guests, whether believers or unbelievers, because we want to make sure people understand, we want to be very clear about the fact that we are open to uh, unbelievers participating in the conversation, and we have the ability to be circumspect about ourselves and the church. We, we want to know what kind of our guests' least favorite thing and their favorite thing is about Christianity. And that could, that in, that could include Christian people, mm-hmm. the church, yeah. even a theolo- theological issue. So I don't know if you have a favorite and least favorite thing. Yeah. Well, my favorite thing about Christianity is Jesus and the fullness of life that I experience when I spend time with him, when I live according to what he says, and when I uh, seek him with all of who I am. I mean, that fullness of life is so satisfying that I wouldn't give it up for anything. And the thing that I least like least most about Christianity is just what Sarah was saying, when Christians are living in such a way that make people want to not be Christians. Mm-hmm. And friends, this is a really easy thing to do mm-hmm. to first uh, help people love Jesus is to act more like Jesus. If, preach. if you are acting so far away from Jesus, if you if your attitudes, if your behaviors clearly don't line up with what Jesus says, check that out, guys. Do you love Jesus? And if so, we should act like it. Yeah, it's good. Well said. Awesome. Well, thank you guys both for coming in. Again, Sarah Stone and Dan Akins. You can find them at mdpc.org. That's Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church here in Houston. So if if you're a young person in Houston or an unbeliever and you have questions, well, now you know where to find them. I'm Evan McClanahan. I'm at... uh, First Lutheran, you can come argue with me as well, uh, or I'll buy you a cup of coffee. I guess coffee's the... We'll buy you the beer. There He'll you go. He'll get you the coffee. There you go. Yeah. Even though I'm Lutheran, so we should be okay <laughs> with that. But yes, thank you so much for uh, for listening. Uh, you can find us at Houston TOT. That's the little at sign, right? Uh, at mm-hmm. Houston TOT for Theology on Tap, of course. Hashtag Houston TOT. Uh, of course, we're on Facebook. If you're uh, not already listening to us there, if you're on a fa- you know podcast or whatever, that's just uh, facebook.com slash Theology on Tap Houston. 
And then, of course, uh, we do have the uh, we own the hashtag theology on air. We don't. I don't think you can own, own a hashtag. I know. I meant that in the in the <laughs> we own it. You know, it's art. No one else uses it. <laughs> anyway, we are so glad that you've joined us. We will be back next week with another great show. At least we'll do our very best to make sure that happens. Until then, we encourage you to question freely, think deeply, and disagree as needed. <laughs>